This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. is trade and yes it is tuesday hope you had a great labor day um labor day it's kind of an interesting day for me I, I work for a judge who thought labor day was to honor work and therefore we worked on labor day he also said he never knew a veteran that took veterans day off so we also worked on veterans day so labor day i guess you know I guess it was better than back then because I'm not working for him anymore. Um, but it's just, it's a weird holiday for me because I just, I feel guilty about not doing anything. So I'm working on the podcast and I, and I share some ideas with my wife. I say, well, I'm thinking about doing this and thinking about talking about that. And I give her like six different options. And she looked at me and said, you know, why don't you just do more questions and answers with Mary Langston? I don't like any of the things that you are thinking about talking about. So in honor of my wife and her candor and honesty, we're gonna do two episodes of questions and answers with Mary Langston. Are you there, Mary Langston? I'm here, that sounds like a good plan. We definitely have plenty of questions. You, you, you like the fact that, that Terry didn't like any of the ideas I had for a, for a, for a podcast? Well, I have a feeling she probably liked the ideas, but we will go with double questions. Oh, you don't believe my story. Oh, okay. Well, <laughs> I mean, let's go. There might have been one or two, you know. Nah, well, it's it's hard <laughs> to tell whether she likes something or not. It's always the exact same cheery, upbeat disposition. But mm -hmm. we're going to do double Q&A uh, because you all are good enough to send us a lot of great questions and... I can't do six in one sitting um, unless you want to devote three hours to it. <laughs> so we're going to break it up. We're going to do it twice this week. Mary Langston, I'll let you take it away. All right. That sounds good. We'll get started with these questions. We appreciate y'all for sending them our way and for tuning in each week. We'll start with a question from Lorraine in California. She writes, is there a reason that the candidates are not asked the same questions? And she's talking about the debates. Uh, hello, Lorraine. Uh, you raise a great point. If you want to compare apples to apples, then you should probably ask the exact same questions of the candidates. It certainly eliminates uh, a concern that one candidate got better or more interesting or more relevant questions than others, which, you know, there's a little bit of that. I mean, I'm biased. I think Brett and Martha did a fantastic job and it's really really hard to moderate anything it's hard to moderate like a mock trial at a high school level i mean imagine seasoned political candidates 
But you may get a question and you may sit there and roll your eyes and say, I mean, why are you asking me this question? I wanted the question on, now I mean, I'll use a hypothetical. I think Tim Scott would be fantastic on a poverty or an education or, you know, the, the, the power of hope. He'd be great on a question like that. But what if that question went to somebody else and he was asked, you know, do you think there's life on Neptune? Which I don't think he does. So I wouldn't ask that question if people are thinking about, you know, maybe Jupiter, but I, not not Neptune, I don't think. So it's certainly asking the same question eliminates that issue that one candidate or his or her supporters can claim, well, I got a better question than you know, other people did, or I got a worse question, but, and this is, this is a pretty big, but, um, it, I can remember do, being done once in my lifetime it was done by a pastor. You probably are familiar with him. Mary Langston. Have you ever heard of a guy named Rick Warren? Mm-hmm. Yes, sir. You have, mm-hmm. he's got a church and he, I'll, I'll probably get this wrong, but I hope I don't. Uh, President Obama and Senator McCain were placed in soundproof booths so they could not hear the answers of the other. Hmm. You with me? Mm-hmm. All right. I think Rick Warren has um, since retired from politics. But the reason he did that and the reason it was a an eminently fair thing to do is because it is a huge advantage to go last or go next or go second or go third. It Number one, it gives you a chance to think about what you want to say, to kind of prioritize it or kind of outline it, diagram it in your mind. So imagine you go last after hearing seven other people answer the same question. That is a huge advantage unless you are just like dumb as a rock, mm-hmm. in which case you probably shouldn't be on the stage in the first place. So, Lorraine, that's what I think. I think you're not they're not asked the same question because it is such a huge advantage to be able to hear other people answer it. It could be that you, it's a topic like a candidate is super, super weak on. Like, let's assume somebody's super, super weak on foreign policy. But it's the same question, and they get to hear six other people go before them. They're going to sound like Albert Einstein after listening to six other people. The other thing about it, Lorraine, since you ask, is I, I think debates are in large part these days about entertainment there's nothing wrong with that i mean people like being entertained i mean i obviously i mean i'm gonna sit here and watch an episode of pole dark at about midnight tonight i like being entertained too mm. and there's a sense that it would be boring to hear the same question posed to eight different candidates but i don't think that's why it's not done i, I well partly i think it's not done because it's just such a huge disadvantage usually to whoever goes first and a huge advantage to whoever goes last. And I'll say one more thing and then we can move on something else. And I'll give shorter answers after this in court, Mary Langston, I'm not going to get too bogged down in this, but as a general rule, Mm -hmm. the 
uh, defense attorney goes first and the prosecution goes last. All right. And, and talking to the jury. You with me? Mm-hmm. Doing closing argument. The defense attorney goes first. Prosecutor goes last. There's one little quirk where that is reversed. And if you ask most prosecutors, they said they would give up anything. They will give up everything to have last argument. That's how important hearing what the other person is saying so you can respond to it. That's how important it is. Mm. So it's just a huge advantage to, to whoever doesn't go first. And I think that's why you don't, you don't see that in debates, I think. All right, that's a way longer answer <laughs> than, was, than was needed. But I, it's a good question. And I'm, mm-hmm. I, there's a fairness aspect. You, you, you ask this person this question, you should ask others. But it's not done, and that's why it's not done. Okay, well, thank you so much, Trey, and thank you, Lorraine, for that question. We'll answer more of your questions when we come back. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point-of-sale system you can trust, or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Our next question is from Tripp. He writes, if former President Trump is found guilty on one or more of the indictments, does this affect his election from a legal and constitutional point of view? Uh, the only requirements I can find for the presidency would be age, citizenship, and the 14th Amendment. Uh, you can be a felon and be the president. You can be a felon and serving time and be the president. Um, he, he also could be acquitted. He could be acquitted on everything and still be the president. So there's no legal or constitutional impediment or issue as I see it. You know, whether or not there's an electability issue or a voter, how the voters kind of weigh and balance that, we shall see. But it doesn't affect his candidacy from a can you be on the ballot? Yeah, that's age. There's an age requirement. There's a citizenship requirement. And then, you know, if people want to read the 14th Amendment. They can figure out for themselves what that other requirement is. But that's those are the only requirements I'm aware of to run for president. Okay, well, thank you, Trey, and thank you, Tripp, for that question, too. Our last question is from Ronald in South Carolina. He writes, how does the grand jury system work at the federal and state levels, as well as how do district attorneys make their charging decisions? You know, so many legal questions we get. So many. You know why? Because you're an expert in it. No, gosh, no. And they're curious. There's so many questions, and it's complex. No, I think it's because people honestly don't think I know anything else. So it's <laughs> almost always sports or the legal system. <laughs> That's okay, and, though. I mean, quite candidly, they're not wrong. Those would be about the only two areas. So, Ronald, I'm going to give the similarities first. 
um, at least 16 people, but not more than 23. Mm. All right. Think about that. You got it. At least 16, but not more than 23. And at least 12 must agree. There is probable cause a crime was committed and probable cause the name defendant, the person for whom the indictment is sought, committed the crime. So that's the way grand juries work. Uh, 12 out of 23 is barely 50%. And then the, the number could be different for state grand juries. I just What I just gave you, I think, was the federal, kind of the way federal grand juries work. Um, it, it's a similar rationale for the states. Uh, there's a constitutional requirement in the eyes of many, most, maybe all, that you be indicted by a grand jury. And so Ronald wants to know, how does the grand jury work? You get ordinary citizens in there. I'm going to give you the similarities first. Ordinary citizens in there, they hear evidence, maybe even testimony, and they decide whether probable cause exists. That is very different from whether or not someone is guilty beyond a reasonable doubt. And of course, in, in, in the real trial, what we call the pettit jury, this is the grand jury, in the pettit jury, the real trial, it has to be 12 for 12, and it's beyond a reasonable doubt. Here, it's 12 out of 23. Um, well, it doesn't have to be 23. I mean, maybe two people are gone, and it's, you know, 22 or you know, 18. I don't know that it can go any lower than 16, but... You, you just, you got to convince people it's a pretty low threshold. Number one, a crime was committed. And number two, the name that's on the indictment, that there's probable cause that that person, that that person did it. Uh, it doesn't have to be unanimity because this is not a conviction. It's not an adjudication. It's an allegation. So barely half gets it done. Um, here where, this is where things get a little bit different. In federal court, the prosecutor runs the grand jury. Literally, the prosecutor runs the grand jury. The prosecutor knows the names of the members of the grand jury, particularly the foreperson. You are putting witnesses in front of the grand jury. You are issuing subpoenas on behalf of the grand jury. There is an exceedingly close working relationship between federal prosecutors and grand juries. It is completely opposite, at least in the state of South Carolina. In 10 years, when I was the district attorney, circuit solicitor, I never once set foot in a grand jury room or talked to a single member of the grand jury. Mm -hmm. We were not allowed in the room. So I come from a system where we run the show to a system um, which, you know, I mean, I hate to hurt the feelings of people in the state system, but there's an old saying that you can indict a, a ham sandwich. You probably never heard that before, Mary Langston, but that that's, mm -hmm. that's legal talk that is not hard to get an indictment. It's really, really easy in state court. I mean, thousands and thousands of, of indictments. I can't remember ever there being uh, a no bill a true bill is when 
12 grand jurors, at least 12, find probable cause. That's called a true bill. A no bill is rare, and that's when they don't. I, I can't ever remember one in state court. It is just, it's the officer, usually, sometimes it's the officer who made the case going in and telling members of the citizenry, the grand jury, what the evidence is that defendants never allowed in the grand jury. So you can't, you don't hear both sides of it. There are differences, the similarities, they're both constitutional in nature. And it's just a formal way of charging a citizen. And that is intro to grand juries 101. <laughs> well, thank you for that intro. And that's all the questions we have today. Well, uh, thank you for keeping those questions within the very limited parameters of my knowledge. Um, <laughs> I'm grateful for that. I hope people keep them come mm -hmm. no matter. I mean, you can ask me a math question. I'm not going to know the answer, but you're welcome to ask me one. <laughs> we I, could always try that. Well, I, I want to ask you one. I don't, I don't know why three times zero is zero. I, I'm not the right person to ask that question I, because I am in the same category as you on that. Same you, you, agree, you agree with me that if it's three times zero, it really should not be zero. Right. But if you reverse it, if it's zero times three, what are your thoughts on that? Of course, because the zero is what leads and you can't have three of nothing. Exactly. But if I have a three and I times it by zero something happens to my three. I mean, it just doesn't go away, but everyone tells me that I am wrong. And so therefore <laughs> you are wrong. Exactly. But, so don't ask me any math questions, but keep asking. Uh, it's fun for me. Uh, I don't know how fun it is for the listener. I don't know how fun it is for Mary <laughs> Langston, but it's very, very fun for me. So keep it coming. And I hope you have a great rest of your week. Sounds great. We'll see y'all Thursday. Listen ad-free with a Fox News Podcast Plus subscription on Apple Podcasts. And Amazon Prime members can listen to this show ad-free on the Amazon Music app. Hey, it's Clay Travis. Join me for Outkick the Show as we dive deep into a mix of topics. New episodes available Monday to Friday on your favorite podcast platform and watch directly on outkick.com forward slash watch.